I've gone old school this morning. Back to paper. I made that many changes, additions, afterthoughts, scribbles, I kind of thought my iPad can't even keep up with the things that I'm changing. But you know, there was something that we've just said and we just sang in that last song. The Savior is for us. The Savior is for us. I said, the Savior is for us. So tell your face. Okay, the Savior is for you. In Jeremiah 29, we all know this. Let me tell you again. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and you can probably start quoting it before I can. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm, plans to give you hope and a future. He has plans, he has hope, he has prosperity, and he has a future. And his promise is not to harm. So why look somewhere else? I've got plans, I've got a hope, I've got prosperity, I've got a future with the promise of no harm. Why would I want to look somewhere else? Do you know, when I was growing up, in the 80s, back in the time of ridiculous haircuts and fancy kind of Miami Vice suits and rolled up sleeves and shoes with no socks. Oh, we loved those days, didn't we? All right, those of us who was around. Some of you thinking, I wasn't even born then. There was a program that I used to love. And as I kind of grew up, I used to look forward to my Saturday evenings, the A-team. I always believed that I could be part of the A-team. I was more Murdoch than anybody else. You know the one who was just slightly strange? (laughs) I always thought I was built like Mr. T, which I probably was. But you know the thing that always grabbed me out of all of that stuff that went on with the A-team was the leader of the band, Hannibal, And he used to have a catchphrase. Does anybody remember what that catchphrase was? I love it when a plan comes together. And I felt just this week as I was preparing and I was stirred in my own heart, I was stirred with that very theme. I love it when a plan comes together. We've been hearing over the last few weeks from Jeremiah 3.14. Return, O faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose one from a town, two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you in knowledge and understanding. I love it when a plan comes together. See, I have a plan for you. And God desires to see that plan fulfilled in and through your life. Now, can I be completely honest and start off on a right framework this morning? I'm going to cover some issues today, and I am not aiming it at any individual. I'm big enough, and those who know me well enough will know that if I have an issue with you, I'll tell you. Can anybody say they know Phil? Am I going to tell you? If you ask me a question, are you going to get an honest answer? Right, so those who know Phil know that I'm not going to dance around. But if it talks to you this morning, good. But you need to understand, I am not talking 
at you, but if the word convicts you, all well and good. My intention this morning is to be extremely practical. Is that all right? So in our being practical, because you know that we are word-based, we build from the word platform, we sow prophetically, we build into the atmosphere, we sow seeds in the spirit, we draw them down. But this morning, my intention is, even though I will drop in and out of scripture, I will paraphrase and quote, I'm not asking you to follow me through scripture. Is that all right? I am biblical this morning. You can ask and I will give you references. But because there is so much I want to cover, we'll be hitting things for speed. So if you think there's a hole, there is a hole. And do you know why there's a hole? Because I left a hole. It's not that I didn't think about it. It's because I'm covering so much, you're going to need to keep up. So is that all right? So what is our cause this morning? I love it when a plan comes together. But just remember this one thing, in that knowledge and understanding, Proverbs says this, what price is wisdom in the hands of a fool when he has no heart for it? God wants to bring us into knowledge and understanding, but if I will not do anything with it, then I'm a fool. Jesus said that he who hears these words of mine and then applies them is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. I must hear and move to application. Why? Because he loves it when a plan comes together. We spoke last time we were here, and when the last time I ministered, one of the things I talked about was the ability to partner with the word. Now, I have personally experience of being in a marriage partnership. I have friendship partnerships. I have a business partnership. I have a partnership corporately with you guys. But you know the definition of partnership is the ability to win and lose together. In the good times and the bad times, I can't bail out. (laughs) Thank you for the person who said true. When it's good, do you know what? Even on that day, do you remember it? It's like when you got married. You can remember it was like it was yesterday. I wish it was tomorrow when I wouldn't turn up. You know, it's one of those. And you were stood there, and in standing there, sorry, Ange, I just got that stare from the, she gave me the eyes, as Ruby would say. But you had that thing, for better, for worse, for sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. And all of that covenant that you swore together, that meant if it's going right or going wrong, I have to find a way to fix it. (laughs) When I learn to partner with the word, certain things kick into place. My faith, my confession, my prophetic prayer declaration as I receive, I agree, and I sew it back. Would we say that's fair? But you realize that in all those things, there's something missing? Do you know what's missing? Action. I do not want to derail, undervalue, pull down, break up a foundation principle of prayer. We know that prayer is key. When Pat came forward this morning, what was she saying? The Lord wants us to declare. Is that right? But declaration is only one degree of my life and of your life. 
God, I just, God, I need you to provide for my needs. God, I, Lord, I'm starving. I'm starving. Open the cupboard. Lord, I'm starving. Open the cupboard. Lord, I'm starving. Send some food. Open the cupboard. You burk. A lot of the time we're declaring and God has already made provision. We keep asking for what he's already given us. What's missing so many times is us moving to action. Genesis 8, 22 declares this. As long as the earth endures, there is seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter. What is missing? There is seed time and there is harvest, but there is something that is missing. And what is missing? Productivity. God says there are seasons for you to sow and there are seasons for you to reap. But if you don't, the seed will die in the field. I have to move to action. So in all of these principles that we're going to talk about this morning, I want to start by asking you a basic question. Do you have in place at this moment in time an action plan for seeing your life changed? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll ask the question again, because I don't think it actually broke through the surface. Do you have an action plan to see your life changed? Now, a man, quite a wise man at times, once said this, there is nothing that you can't fix without an A4 sheet of paper. Get a piece of paper in front of you and start to write down missing elements. So this morning, we're going to lift the lid on some things. Oh. Relationships finance, and business. Is that all right? We're going to look at relationships, finance, and business. Another question for you. Do you have anybody in your life who can give you balanced counsel and that you will actually listen to? There's not as many yeses going on now. Do you have somebody in your life who will give you balanced counsel? Because yeah. do you know what? There are times when, blessing Pastor Tony and I have a, you know, a very unique relationship, and he will say some things to me, and I'll say, I don't necessarily agree with it. There are times when I will say something to him, and he'll say, Phil, you're being a burke in this area. Friendship isn't just about agreeing with somebody all of the time. There has to be the ability where we can address some issues and start to draw some things back in again. Now, as I said, in this area of being very practical this morning, again, I want to make another statement. The statement is this. We can often say in a church context that I have received a word from God. Shall we put the caveat onto that? Unless God told you to sit on your hands and do nothing, the onus of responsibility to make it work is... Ooh, ooh. Oh, I've received a word. I've got a prophetic word. My life's going to change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change. I'm going to be all around. We're going to do all that. The onus of responsibility is you. Now, some time ago, we spoke and I mentioned about what was, I believe is a great facet for everybody to build into their lives... And that is the principle of the three C's. Does anybody remember what those three C's was? No. Kevin does, because we talk about it all the time. Context, counsel, 
and the missing factor of church, common sense. Council, context, and common sense. So as I said to you before and started just to open it slightly for you, I'm going to paint for you a very broad brush picture. It is not going to be all-encompassing. We are literally just starting to lift the lid slightly with the remembrance of saying that he is for me and not against me. Yes, that he has plans, hope, a future, a prosperity without harm, but the onus of responsibility falls on. I'm in covenant for the good and for the bad. We win together and we lose together. Yes? So let me start with this basic premise. There are eight aspects, count them, eight. There are, thank you. There are eight aspects of a human's life. We're going to touch on this very quickly. I'm not going to expound. This is for you to do your own homework on. There is what is known as your personal aspect. So the personal aspect of you is the wholeness of the person and you knowing who you are and how you fit in your world. Is that common sense? Yeah? Yeah? Skip to the next one. You have a spiritual dimension of who you are, and that is a man's devotion to God, his word, and learning to work out what he is working in. We still with me? So there's the personal side, there is a spiritual side. There is the aspect of my mental capacity, and that is the area of how my mind works and how I think about myself and others. So I've got a personal side, a spiritual side, and a mental side. There is also a social side. And the social side is interpersonal relationships and how I do life with others. Do you know if many of us were to have our school report, it would be, Chris does not play well with others. Phil does not play well with others. It's amazing that one of the key aspects of life is how we interact with one another and how we interact with him, but it's one of the biggest areas where people fall down. We're not, I'm good at keeping a friend, but I'm not good at making a friend. So we find that our relationships and circles decrease over in time instead of increase. What about strategy? God gives you the power to make choices. Here's that principle again, which again seems nuts to me, and all of my circuits start to get just frazzled slightly, that he can say to the sea this far and no further. He can say, let there be light, and there will be light. God only has to speak to bring things into action. All of creation must respond to God. Is that biblical? But yet I can say no. Oh, all of the universe has to respond to him But when he deals with me, he gave me the power to say no. How crazy is that? How nuts is that? If you just play without one, I'll tell you. We come back to that process that in our lives and having a strategy, are we building a plan to help us move from this place to the next place? Stop wishing and start living. Oh, I wish I was like David, because David's like this. I wish I was like Daniel, because Daniel's like this. I wish I was like Pat, because Pat's like that. 
We always look and compare our lives to somebody else and wish that we were like them. And half the time, they're sat there going, I wish I was like you. And there's always a reason. Have you noticed that, oh, my mum dropped me on the head when I was a baby, but for Kath, she was fine, and she makes friends dead easy, and she's the life and soul of the party. Do you know, all of those things are built into every one of us. What I need to do is learn to find ways of expressing that. Even when I try my best, and you're a burke and shut the door on me. So I come one morning, and I want to talk to Dawn, my friend Dawn, and I come to Dawn, hiya Dawn, how's it doing? And she blanks me. If Dawn blanks me, whose fault's that? Dawn's. Let's get it official, it's on tape, because Dawn's being a burke. Okay? Now at times I have to watch the tone and the way I approach somebody, but guess what? If I'm learning and going, do you know what? I'm going to give it another go, then I might talk to Carol, I might talk to Dan, I might talk to somebody else. I can't just live in the place of, because she rejected me, the whole world hates me. I think I'll go in the garden and eat worms. It can't happen. We keep on going again, yes? Why? Because I have a personal side, a spiritual side, a mental side, a social side. I have a strategy, and there is an economic side to me. The ability to support myself and those I'm responsible for. Do you know how many people want to push away that responsibility for me and my family? It's going to be the government's job. It'll be somebody else's job. It'll be family's job. It'll always be somebody else's when whose responsibility is it? A man shall leave his father and mother and his bank account and cling to another. I'll say it again for you guys. I leave my father and mother and their bank account and I glean to another. And the parents said? Amen. That might be a paraphrase. That might be a paraphrase, but I believe that should be built in somewhere. You know when you still get that phone call? Hiya, Dad. How much? Because the only time you pick this up is when you need something or when you want something. And that's fine. If you're in a family that can help and you're in a state and you've got something around, but there are abuses that work both ways. We have to break in this generation an entitlement mentality. It seems like a million years ago, and it wasn't, when my mum said, well, when me and your dad got married, we started off with three orange boxes in the living room as furniture. And now we go, right, where is it? I've been down to Bright House, and I've got me 50-inch telly, and I've got me sofa on HP, and I've, we decide we've got to do everything. There has to be an element of, are you ready for this term? Write it down, because it will save your life. Delayed gratification. <laughs> I'll be over this side of the room. Delayed gratification. Because you don't deserve everything today. You have to work for things. Is that all right? Am I, am I bit still being in the land of not being strange yet? I know, I know I'm in the land of strange, but I'm not too strange. In these principles, there are principles that we miss telling people in church and then wonder why we get in as much trouble as the people outside. 
There is, you know, like I know, outside of Match of the Day, there's very few things that I watch on TV. But I noticed something a few weeks ago, and I thought, I'm taping that, and I'm going to watch it. Because it is a social experiment. And what the social experiment is, here's Dave, for instance. Dave's had all of his life on benefits. So what they've done is go, right, you're no longer on benefits, but now I am going to give you a year's benefits in suitcasing cash, and I'm going to give it you, and then I'm going to stand back and see how your life will change. If you have nobody who's helped establish financial barriers and financial intelligence in your life, it's an episode for Jeremy Kyle waiting to break out. There is a guy who spent two-thirds of it in the first fortnight. There's another guy, after four days, is almost in tears, wanting to give it back because life was safer when everybody else dictated to what I had. The mistakes that they make, we can't make. He gives us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. We're the Burks who don't apply it. Phil's the Burke who doesn't apply it, right? Because we don't want to get, all right, you don't want to just say it's you this morning. There has to be ability where these things are going to be worked out in me. You know, there's another part of you, historic. The historic part of you, the power of the past to pull you back and the law of the future to drag you forward. Which one will you choose? Is it always going to be my history will dictate what I am today? Or will I be changed to become that new creation and move from one degree of glory to the next? Choosing to apply what he says in my life, making correct choices. Do you know what? I got told off by Ruby this week, which is not a hard thing, but I got told off by, by Rubster. She did something and I didn't let go. And she went, whoa. Don't you snatch. I'm thinking, how am I snatching when it's mine? <laughs> so you've got like that, and she comes to take it off you, and I didn't let go. Oh, granddad. Any more of this, and you are going to be sat on the thinking chair. <laughs> so it was like, I'll play the game. Okay, so why will I be on the thinking chair? Because at this moment in time, granddad, we are not making correct or good choices, are we? Do you know how many of us should be sat on the thinking chair? <laughs> and it starts with, go and have a word with yourself. Think about the choices that you make. Am I going to allow the past to dictate to everything that I am? Or are we going to use that picture from daughters that says, I might be in that cocoon state at the minute. It feels like all the walls are in, but I'm breaking out so the butterfly can be seen. Which one will I choose? Will it be the power of the future that I can have in him? Or will it be they said to me, I'll be this, or I didn't have the best startup, or I was used, I was abused? We've all got a story. Am I choosing my story, or will I move towards a brand new future? Finally, the final aspect of you as a person is your physical. That's your health, your food, your rest, your exercise, or your connection. If we understand 
that there's all of those areas to work through, and that if I get one of them right and the others wrong, life starts to fall over. And we'll focus on one thing. I'm going to just focus on my, let's just say, for instance, health. It's New Year. We're all losing weight. We're all on the bikini diet. <laughs> Phil's on the bikini diet. <laughs> We've got it all going on, and we put all of our energy into one aspect. Now, I believe there are seasons in life where maybe one or more of these needs more focus than the others. But if I just try and say, this is it, I'm a health buff, and I just push that, but I can't make friends, I haven't got connections, spiritually I have no connection to God, I'm as mad as a box of frogs. If all that stuff, great, I'll be the nutter just on the running machine in the gym. I don't make the rest of life work. So the issue, issue is, what are you getting right, and what do you get wrong? Note to self. This is why when we talk about having a strategy, even if you look at those basic areas, if you said, right, personally, how do I see myself? If I don't see myself right, what is my strategy? What is my plan so I can see myself? If I'm mentally not accurate, if I've not got a strategy in my life, if economics are falling over, what am I going to do to put it right? Anyway, maybe I should have stuck some preach to the other stuff. Life issues. Take control of your life and learn the aspect of yielding to God. Because there's a reason why I yield to God. He knows more than me. That might come as a surprise. God knows more than me and he's got my heart in his own hands. So do you have a strategy to change? That's the question. Or, there's an alternative, have we given up and settled for this is how life is and is going to be? Am I in that mundane, I wake up, I have my breakfast, I go to work, I come home, I have my tea, I watch the EastEnders box set, I go to bed, I wake up. What are we doing? Are we saying, do you know what? My life is made for more than just this. Even in the laws of self-preservation, even if I wasn't a believer and believed that there was a purpose of God for my life, I still need interaction. I still need fellowship. I still have the power of choice. I still don't have to live in the past. In all of these aspects, I need to be a person who takes control and responsibility for me. Meanwhile, back at our disclaimer, unless God said, sit on your hands the onus of responsibility falls on. Okay. Eating habits. <laughs> I thought we'd get more than one laugh on that one. Eating habits. You know what scripture says? That for some, your belly has become your God. It's all right for you, Phil, because you're disciplined. Who said I'm disciplined? It's called a choice. I make a choice at this moment in time with the way that I diet and do other things because you know the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, if you don't fill, bits of you fall off. Go, right, but I still make a choice that says, that's open to me, but it's not an option. I had, unlike me, because you know me, shy retiring type, 
was in my doctor's and had a little bit of a row. A little bit of a row with Dr. Kanakanti. Dr. Kanakanti looks at my bloods and looks at everything else and she says, you are doing really well. And I said, made this fatal statement. I'm working very hard to get some very average results. Her response, don't work hard. Eat what you want. We'll just up your meds. Oh! Thank you. I then go back to my stance, my health stance, which is this. I believe they call that patient choice. And in patient choices, I'll carry on doing what I'm doing. Keep your drugs. Yeah? Because I don't need more drugs. I just need to go, if this is not good for me, stop it. If we believe that we're a people that's going to be used inside and outside, but I can't walk up a flight of stairs, he's not talking to you. If I feel that my ankles are bad, my knees are bad, I'm carrying weight, I have a heart condition, I'm breathless, do something about it now. Or else life passes you by, and when it's all passing you by, do you know what I read? And it's dangerous. I know a little bit of information on knowledge is a dangerous thing. But it said for most issues that you find in life, whether it be your diabetes or whatever, your heart conditions, has been sat there for 10 years with you keep adding to it before it came to a head. Why don't some of us bring something to a head now before the fruit's on the tree? Just make choices. You want to see, I was like that a few weeks ago. I'm biting my own fist because one of my big kind of uh, weaknesses that I would have, you're not going to get me with a Mars bar. You're not going to get me with a piece of chocolate or a cake or all that. Nothing. There was a crusty bread sandwich. Cheese, ham, a little bit, of, I'm stopping, a little bit of Branston on there. And it was like that. Oh, oh, you could be my Delilah. You could be my Delilah. But I knew if I do it once, then I'll do it twice. And if I do it twice, it'll become, I'll only do it a couple of times a week. And then it'll be right in. And then am I seeing Ruby go to university? No. So I'll make the choice. Bread can stay over there. Nothing about discipline. It's about a choice. I value this greater than I value the sandwich. So we're still in council context and common sense, yes? Conversation. How I handle my conversation with others, is it seasoned with sweetness or is it bitter? I choose. I'm making choices to keep my conversation sweet. Because if you get Phil on the bad day, he's going to bite you. Some would say, if you get Phil on a good day, he's going to bite you. He's not. But it's in that whole process is that as we're building and growing together, I have to realize and recognize because I'm a whole person and I realize those eight areas in my life that I'm building on that any processing time or period of time, Chris could be going through the same things. And if he's going through some things, some things are either out of bounds or they're touchy at the moment. If they're touchy, it's not a time to pursue it. And if he wants to talk about it, he'll talk about it. It's not the time to Chris, 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 Chris. Because you know one of us is going to get a punch. 
I could fight all the girls in my class. So just let you know, Chris. <laughs> this is the process that we have to realize that when everything's great in your world and you want to just encourage everybody and go, on, come on, fatty, why don't you lose a stone? It's not a word of encouragement that the other person might find. I take it then from that reaction that I won't use that one then. <laughs> that should not be my approach. Okay, I'm just testing. You see, you've also got to realize in all these aspects of what makes you you, that there are things that you are good at and better than somebody else. You have a higher tolerance level. So if I said losing weight's easy, but for instance, again, there's Dan. He struggles with losing weight. It's no good me beating him up, telling him how easy it is to lose weight. Dan, what are you doing, you div? You just lose a bit of weight. It's easy. It's not easy to him. He needs a strategy of how he can work that around. Maybe he needs a friend. Maybe he needs a gym buddy. Maybe he needs somebody who can help him with self-motivation. Maybe he needs a lock on the fridge. Whatever he needs... Whatever he needs, he needs a strategy for him. And sometimes you need somebody else to talk to you about what that strategy can and should be. Now should we get down to our subject matter? Relationships. Let's start there. Again, very broad brush. But let me see if I can help you this morning. Paraphrasing. If you want biblical references, I'll give them later. It is not good for man to be alone. It's good when a man finds a wife. Two from a tribe, one from a clan. Don't be unequally yoked. These are principles that we don't need to go into. We know that God lays down patterns. And we say, God, you understand. Yes, I understand that I'm right, you're wrong, and I see things from my perspective and not yours. God, you understand where I'm coming from. Yes, I understand you're wrong and I'm right. And if you want to get into some kind of disagreement, that's fine. But I'm just telling you, I am the Lord, and I change not. You're wrong, I'm right. We don't need to go into all of the principles, because these are things that should already be basic uh, ground holes for us, shouldn't they? Now, I want to do relationship one-on-one. Is that okay? Relationship one-on-one works like this. I am now on, uh, let's just say, location, location, location. And I want to sell my house. I'm selling a house, and I'm buying a house. So there comes Pastor Carol now, and she says, I'm selling my house. What does it say that her house needs if she's going to sell it? Don't say a website. What does she need? Curb appeal. Because the amount of people don't come through your door, they'll drive past your house and go, I like that. If your garden's all overgrown and your paint's falling off, and it's curb appeal. Also, if I think your house is for sale, it will have something in the garden. <laughs> yes, it'll have a sign. Thank you, Catherine, for helping me on this one. I'm doing this without the use of a net. I have a sign in the garden. Phil, what has this got to do with relationship one-on-one? Simple. If you look like a tramp, smell like a tramp, <laughs> counsel, context, and common sense. How, I can be biblical if you want, and I can make it all nice and frilly up. 
But the bottom line is, if your breath stinks, you don't cut your hair, you don't shave, ladies, you're not getting anybody. <laughs> you know, if there is no curb appeal to you, don't be surprised if people keep passing you by. That doesn't also mean, counterbalance, that all my wares are in the shop window. We don't need, you know what I'm talking about. Let's not make it coarse, but if all of a sudden... The skirt became a belt, and things dropped the other way, and you're always wondering why no one's ever looking at you. Yeah, it's, oh, be lifted up my head. I'm a man, believe it or not, it says on my birth certificate, I'm a man, and I know how much you ladies can be a distraction. All right. Come on, is there any men in here this morning who's going to say that if ladies dress inappropriately, especially in the house, you become a distraction to say, God's here. I don't care about God being here. Buddha's here. And his brother. (laughs) Your eyes are drawn to something over and above. I'm being practical. I said I was going to be practical, did I not? I'm trying to help you. The flip side is, there has to be that sign that says, hey, I'm on the market. Without, I throw myself at every new face who walks through the door. There has to be, I hold myself. But if you've actually thought to yourself, do you know what? This has gone to rack and ruin. Nobody wants me. Do you know what? You're right. Nobody wants you. But I am a strong believer there is somebody for everybody. Even you. And even me. And you know how I know that, don't you? Because she's still sat at the back. That's not Gwen, by the way. Cause... She was sat at the back. She's left. She's already walked out. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail, but there has to be an element of how I hold myself, how I project myself. I'm not continually trying to sell myself to everybody who comes in. But, please, fellas, if you don't shave and you don't have personal grooming and you don't find deodorant for your armpits and, ladies, you're not looking right, don't be surprised when people just walk past you. Okay, I'm... I'm Do you know what? I'm just being maybe too natural this morning. I'm trying to help you. See, I believe something that when we was in the building in the spirit and we were making declarations last week, and we're making declarations, two from a tribe, one from a clan, pulling this. There's one thing I felt in my heart. God will send sons and daughters for sons and daughters. We're not looking for a hook-up shop. We're not looking just to hook you up. Is that, am I all right there, guys? Am I still, still with it? I'm almost at a Twitter. No. <laughs> I'm not with a Twitter generation yet. It's not just about hooking up. There's something that's different. I cannot also use the way I feel because of these aspects in my life to fall into that area of selective integrity. I'll bend the rules as it suits me to bend the rules. I'll do this, I'll do that, because God knows and I can always ask for forgiveness and I sell myself down the river and I'll do this and I'll do that. Fine, your choice. What did we say? One of the aspects was that God gave his power form to make choices. But if that choice comes and bites you on the backside, it was still your choice. It was nobody else's fault. 
It was yours. And I don't say that if I was in your position as a single person, maybe today, I wouldn't be making the, right, the same choices. But the question I asked at the beginning was, is there someone in your life that you can take counsel from? Look, I'm feeling this. This is the option I've got. I've got that. Where am I coming from? And sometimes somebody needs to say, delayed gratification. You don't need that option here because you can move to that. But that didn't mean sit on your hands. It meant I work in a different field and I see what's what. Options for another day. I'm going to give you some basic breakdowns, and I need to get moving on this. Prospects for a marriage list. Meaning that if I want to have a person in my life, and I say that I'm not just dating, you're not just, you know, you're not on a meerkat Tuesday. Do you know what? I've got a spare ticket for the cinema. Who can I find? It's not. I'm finding somebody I want to do life with. Then I need to build some things into my life. Is that all right? But do you know there is this one caveat, which is nuts, and it works for all of us, and it's exactly the same. Don't care who you are. You spend more time planning your wedding than you do being built for it. I'll have so many meetings about what flowers it is and the shape of your dress and the color of the ties and the ushers will do this and I want that music when I come in and we're all going to blow the bugle and we'll all go out doing the river dance. All that stuff you spend your time on when I turn around and go like this, Dan, do you realize to be a man in a marriage is going to cost you this? I tell him nothing about how he can be a man or the woman, how she can be the husband and the wife to each other than I do for invitations and chasing everything else. So a test for marriage. People need to learn honor, strength of character, the ability to change, selflessness, gratitude, and one thing, fellas, she's not your mother. And the lady said... Do you know what we find? Because the amount of people that we've counseled in church over the years, that so often somebody has a complaint because the woman isn't like his mother and that there are women that haven't had that male man in her life and are really not looking for a husband, they're looking for a father. If you've been on your own for a while, I can tell you these are issues you'll fall over. Selflessness. Do you know why? Because I only have to think about me. And if I get used to thinking about me over a prolonged period of time and I bring Chris into it, all of a sudden I've got to start making some choices. It's more like, what would you like, Chris? And we make a decision together rather than it's all just about what I want. As we said, the gratitude. Thanking somebody, hey, thanks for making me tea. Not taking it in that, remember the context we used before when we turned around and says about, you know, we can just expect everything. I just expect that she did the washing. I expect she did the ironing. I expect this. I expect that. What about me expecting from you, you scuffer? It's a two-way street, isn't it? What about proof of the heart? Proof of the heart. Do I long to be with this person? Do I feel like something's missing when they're not here? Now let me counterbalance that. If you choose the wrong person, even though you felt like this at the beginning, there will be a morning when you wake up and you go, oh my God, you're still breathing. <laughs> Council, context, and common sense we're coming from this morning. Is that all right? Mo <laughs> Stop it now. 
Most people are first stirred by your eyes. But if you never build for longevity, principles and life together, there comes the time when things change. Do you know that? There will be the day when you look and think, you've suddenly become twice the man I married. Literally <laughs> twice the man I married. And you go, you're bald, a bare belly, but I still love her. Everyone's a winner. There has to be the proof of spirit. So in proof of spirit, are you willing to take any relationship before God? Say, God, I lay this before you. Is this right for me? Is it good for me or not? And at times you need to do that with some counsel, context, and common sense. You see, when we said that this is our checklist, this is not a time ago. I've hit one of them. That meant yes. Get the balance that goes through. Another one, mathematics. You know what they say about relationships? Relationships are made of two things, feelings and good mathematics. How does he or she make you feel? Does it make sense? Does it all add up? Does your relationship add up? How do you feel about his family or her family? What about geography? Does it work? What about culture? What about finance? Do you have what it takes to deal with conflict and the mundane of everyday relationships? None of us want to talk about the mundane of everyday relationships. You know, there was the day when you saw her, you saw him, your eyes met across a, a crowded room. It was all wonderful, and you dashed off, and you were married at the altar, and you disappeared to Bognor Regis on your holidays. You did all that stuff. You spared not a jot. Everything was all up. And then you start to do life. And the fire goes a little bit. And she's gone to bed in her socks and a bobby hat. It's, <laughs> it's all the stuff that goes on that, as Shirley said, it's Andy who goes to bed in a bobby hat. <laughs> in all of this, can I still see the reason we came together in the first place? The reason we came together wasn't just, even though we laughed at it before, you as an individual change. Do you know that's, that's felt, is that the right word? That, oh, let's call it zero. I am a size zero lady at the altar, had three kids, and wouldn't necessarily be a size zero anymore. Yeah? Yes, yeah, so, so you're still with us. Things change, but if all I'm ever held in is just how I saw you and how I felt at that moment in time, it's naivety, it's immaturity, love changes, and I build in my maturity of how I see a person and build. Is that fair? But I will have that moment of disappointment if that's all I felt. Do you know, seriously, this is a key note that my... No, don't use names. We will change names to protect the innocent. They're not innocent, they're guilty, but I'll still change the names. We have a... You've even got to be careful how you say that. I know... I know of a man and a woman who are very close to me. It's not a story of a, I read on Google. There is a story that came from, for the last 10 years, the pressure has been built up of being going, you need to lose weight, you need to change that, go and change your hair, go and do the other, you do this, do that. And the pressure that was put onto this lady over and over again, and the steam was being washed away and pushed. And all the time, he could do whatever he wanted, but she couldn't. 
And then you come to that place of going, you're not like what I married, and blah, and all that that puts down to the place now where you find the guy had been having an affair for the last five years and was trying to make his wife look like his mistress. Goes on, kids. She'll scare you. Goes on in here as much as he does out there. You can't beat somebody up. Your wife is your wife. You must honor the marriage bed. You must love her as Christ loves the church. That's also not an opportunity. It's not a catch-all that goes, I got married, anything goes now. It's all right, everything. I'm never changing my socks. We have a responsibility to each other, don't we? Okay. Are you compatible in thought? So, what is your views on faith? What is your worldview? What's your view on purpose? What's your view on Christ? What about your church expression? Are you looking for a Zion explosion? Are you saying, I want to be down the road at St. Chad's? What's your um, thoughts on family? How do you see the raising of kids? Do you even want kids? How intelligent or unintelligent you are? You're a university graduate. Somebody's hardly passed, passed uh, out of basic school, and you think, what do you talk about? You want to talk about philosophy and the fine arts, and they're saying, I was watching Jeremy Kyle this morning, and it was like, mm, we don't have much to talk about anymore. No, because once we moved past the physical, I think I might hit a note here, home run on that one. What about emotional? How do you feel emotionally? And how do you see, see things social? What about when you don't set ground rules in your relationships? The other person may be emotionally unstable. We know what we're talking about here, fellas, don't we? The other person might be emotionally unstable, and then you walk around treading on eggshells. Do you know why? Because you never, ever established ground rules. And in that level of, I like you, you like me, you act like a burke in this area, but I'm not going to tell you, do you know it's that stone in your shoe that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's always the elephant in the room that no one talks about? I'll let you into a little secret. He's not here, so it doesn't matter. Do you know what I said that I'm going to tell you a truth? You see, sometimes, as parents, we love it when our sons and daughters come home with Mr. or Mrs. Wright, or you think it's Mr. they think it's Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you look at them and go, you dipstick. Somebody comes in, we don't speak into those situations a lot of time. We go, well, it's, it's Chrissy's life, let him live his life. When Dan came in and Dan was first with Nick, she'd been in my house for 10 minutes, and I turned around and said, Dan, in front of her, because I'm never going to say anything to Dan that I won't say to Nick. That is my, the way that I am. So she sat in the room, Dan, she's a bunny boiler. David rises an eyebrow. What's a bunny boiler? Doesn't matter, David. You just don't want one in your house. <laughs> she's a bunny boiler, and she's a manipulator. And if you look, she does this, this, and this, and that's a pattern of behavior. And she looks, and her mouth drops open, and goes, oh, I'm only come for tea. <laughs> and then Dan starts talking. I said, Dan, let me give you the pattern. She will do this, this, and this, and expect that. Yeah. Do this, this, and this, and expect that. Yeah. How did you know that, Dad? You're dead smart. Not smart, Dan. It's called patterns of human behavior. And if you don't put this right, Nick, if you ever want to be involved in our life, we do not ever make room for manipulation. So if we see it, any one of us will challenge it. Whether it's Dan, me, Joel, or his mom, any one of us will go, you're being a dipstick and a bunny boiler, and we're going to bring it to an end. 
We set ground rules. So now what happens is there are things that start in your relationship at the beginning that you never say is out of bounds. And so because of that, five years down the line, you can go, you've always done me a deal. No, you can't do that. Does this help? Is there a resilience to keep going, as we said, when times get hard? What about your views on, views on friendship? See, what often happens, young people, you'll grab this one, is that you find a girl or a girl finds a boy. Do you know whose world you become? Each other's. And Fred you went to football with, you don't go to football with anymore, and she'd be with bingo on a Wednesday or whatever it was. Your circle of friends become you two. Then over a period of time, you're sat in your house in the back room thinking, we never go out, we never do anything, why do we only do Meerkat Tuesday? You never have anybody in your life. Friends are there to help you be social, to be balanced and work around, yeah? My sister, my, I have, I'm one of four, okay? I have two sisters and an elder brother. My younger sister is eight years younger than me, so we had a great relationship. Because often, it'd be one of them, you're babysitting, all right. So I grew up with my sister while parents were at work. As things went on, she met a guy who was an only child. And in being the only child, who did the only child need? himself. And he had that little world, and then he brought my sister into that little world. Now, we'd been, I wouldn't say with family as close, we're not selling up each other Christmas cards every 10 minutes, texting you, missed you, loved you, like on Facebook, it's none of that stuff. We're not all touchy-feely, but you're there for each other. She got involved in this world, and then all of a sudden, from being with this guy, you then found, I'm married. You go, how did you get married? You was only dating him three months ago. And all of a sudden, it was like, you don't need family, you don't need friends, and we'll go to Vegas. And they went to Vegas, and they got married. And all of a sudden, her world became him and her. Now, you can kind of go, it's a bit extreme. Well, it is a little bit extreme, but I'll tell you this. My sister that you kind of grow up with, I've seen twice in 16 years. She has a child of 11 and one of six that I don't even know their names. Because your world is just now my world, and that's how it can draw you in. Is it balanced? People will say, it works for me. It doesn't. What about parents and those closest to you? Can somebody talk into the relationship and just say, do you know what, Chris? I don't think she's the best for you. Do you know what, Carol? I don't think he's the best for you. Looking into something. Because if someone loves you, cares for you, trusts you, you're building that, you can have that relationship. It's not, it doesn't have to be a war every time. Oh, you hate him. You push him away. He's a div. He's on E-Wing doing six months. He's not the best choice for you. But I love him. Please. What about the proof of Christ? In this relationship, will it allow you and him to be all that you can be in Christ? Will you go from one degree of glory to the next? Will you give yourself to the house? Will you give yourself to God? Will your life be used? If all of these things are trying to give you triggers, then maybe that trigger should be a Warning sign, something that's bouncing through. Do you know, I read this statistic that if people applied principles like this, 30% of marriages wouldn't go ahead. Because you still get that moment of waking up one day and go, what did I do? Why am I here? Why is life sad? Why can't we get on? Why isn't there anything? It was just there was no purpose or connection in the first place. You just saw her in a belt. She saw you with your medallion or whatever, and your hair all slicked back. You were the best thing since sliced bread. She was the best thing since sliced bread. 
And as you move forward, you actually find you had nothing. You just had hot air. Can you give me 15 minutes? I'm going to abuse you by 10 minutes. Is that all right? I just want to touch the area of finance. I'll leave business. I'll touch finance just for a minute. Question when we think of finance. Question number one, why do you want more? Same question we asked this morning when we said about, I want more of you, God. Why do you want more? If you wanted money, what would you do with it? If I was to give you a million pounds right now, no strings attached, what would you do with it? Write yourself a list. <laughs> I would hide it from Marcus. <laughs> do you know the scriptures? Do you know what Proverbs says this? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Wealth, where God is concerned, is three generational. It's mine, it's the generation to come, and it's the generation to come. Do any research you will find from any major business or family um, establishment that we set up, normally the wealth is lost by the third generation. Granddad did something, he passed it on to his son, he passed it on to his son's son. By the time they get three generations down, it's normally all been lost. History just repeating itself. Do you realize that when we read the scripture, well done, good and faithful servant, Christ is talking about one thing, your use of money. It wasn't about how faithful you was or what a good guy it is. Well done, good and faithful servant, is how you use the talent. What did you do with the money in your hand? It doesn't matter what background you come from. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, whether you came from the ghetto or whether you come from the palace. Some things are always the same where money's concerned. You earn it, you spend it, you save it, you invest it, you share it, you waste it, you lose it. Another key to money. The more you earn the more you spend. Oh, it's funny. It's amazing how they didn't go, the more you save. The more money you earn, the more money you will spend. And for the majority of people that you will ever meet in life, this is the relationship they have with money. They say money talks, and all it says is, goodbye. We have to be lined up. There are seven pillars of wisdom where finance is concerned. Just tick over this really quickly. Honor God first. <laughs> honor God first. And in honor God first, then learn to pay yourself 10%. So you learn to pay yourself 10%. Other thing, have some honor and integrity where money is concerned. If you have bills, pay them. If you've borrowed money, pay it back. Stop looking that every time we're singing a song in church about this is the year of Jubilee, I'm looking and winking at Mary, it's not her time to write off the 300 quid I borrowed from her. I'm going to make a statement which is extremely extreme. I've made a few this morning, but I'll make another one. If you're going to stone me, you're going to stone me anyway. Do you know scripture says this, that I shouldn't take my brother to court in relation to finance. Is that right? But what if he doesn't live like a brother? If he doesn't live like a brother, I can treat him like a heathen. If he doesn't listen to me and he doesn't succumb to the leadership in the house, he is not a brother. So if you've got debt with me and you won't pay it and you hide behind the, there's nothing you can do about it, blah, de blah, blah, I am. Because I've got Sav from Olive Bay Legal and she's coming to get you. Learn to reduce your expenditure. Stop spending what you haven't got. 
Now remember, what is the context in all of this? I love it when a plan comes together. If you're spending too much, learn to reduce it. You know, it's amazing how many people go, oh, gee, I haven't got a penny to spend. And you look and you've got the latest phone on a ridiculous contract. They've got the sky top package. They've got the movies they never watch. They've got the football they can't stand, but they'll have it. They'll build all these things. Learn to reduce your expenditure. Put your savings to work. Meaning that don't just stick it under your bed and hope that someday it'll, there'll be something with it. Even the story of the man with talents, he said, I dug a hole and I buried it. He said, the least you could do is put it in the bank. You're going to get no interest. You'll be more interested in it than it ever gives you. But at least put it somewhere where you're going to get a return. Guard your money from lust. There is no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme. Who gets rich from a get-rich-quick scheme? The man selling you the get-rich-quick scheme. He'll go, right, we're going to do a special seminar today on uh, the ability of buying bunion cream from Acapulco. And uh, if you sell that on, I tell you, you buy it at threepence and you can sell it for £4.50. You realize you went, you paid him 50 quid for the scheme, you buy all this stuff, you're left with a shed full of bunion cream. I've got clean easy, I've got make way, I've got this way, I've got highway, I've got whatever. I do all of these things, what will make the difference? Productivity. Own your own home. Short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. You might say, at this moment in time, I never see myself owning a home. Why can't you? If you make right choices and plan in certain ways, it might take you 10 years for the deposit. But guess what? You work towards something. Make provision for your old age. There will be a day when you stop working. We talked about delayed gratification, did we not? But let's just remember something because we're talking to believers in the house this morning. If I don't change your attitude or the way that you, your heart towards money, you know what happens? There is a general, general mathematical equation that comes into effect. Four poor people and one rich person will equate to five poor people. Because it's not my responsibility to keep bailing you out the hole when you don't change life. If I do that because I have a desire to say, and the Lord says I need to keep taking care of Chris, if Chris doesn't change his ways, he's a bottomless pit. Yeah? yeah? Did that just mean that I just got tight on Chris? No, I didn't. It was just counsel, context, common sense. I can't save you from you. There might be the time when we go, okay, right, Chris, I gave you that money for chips, and you went and spent it, on the lottery ticket. Now, we need to have this chat again. Maybe there'll be another handful of chip money. But there has to be an element of education, does there not? I'm still within inside my 15 minutes, so I can touch it. All right. Business. Everyone can be in business. But not everyone should be in business. Everyone can be, but not everyone should be. If you lie awake in a cold sweat at night thinking you just lost 20 quid, don't go in business. That a basic rule? There is something that Kevin and I was only talking about the other day. Rewards must be first tethered to risk and responsibility. 
If I don't see that there is risk and responsibility to owning a business, and I just want the reward, one day I wake up, and I'm extremely disappointed. And I'm not only normally disappointed, there's normally a knock on the door with a man with a sheriff's badge saying, I'm taking your telly. We all think business will be one of those things that just is going to help us all. We know that moving forward, you think, Phil, why are we even talking about business? We've had people who's had businesses. We've got people who's in business. We've got people who are thinking of businesses. And we've got people who are launching in different areas. Zion and the church will need to be funded by kingdom advancing people as we progress. Will it not? Yes. Right, great. So we've agreed that one. But yet, here's the key to something. Do you know what I said to you before? Seed time harvest, the missing bit was productivity. Let me read you this scary scripture from Proverbs. I went past the field of a sluggard. Where did he go past? A field of a sluggard. Past the vineyard of someone who had no sense. So the man had a field, and what did he have in it? He had a vineyard, because I'll read the first bit first. He had a vineyard. So there is a man with a field, and he's got a crop in it. But he had no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone walls was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned this lesson. A little sleep, a little slumber, a folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you. Did the man have a field? So we're not even praying, oh God, I know you've got prosperity for me. The man has got a field. What's he got in the field? He's got a crop in the field. But what did he do? He sat there on his hands waiting for God to do it all for you. Have a promise, have a desire, have anything you want. If you do not move through to productivity, do you know what happens? And poverty will come on you. But do you know the worst bit? Poverty doesn't come on you. Poverty comes on you, and then it comes on your family, and then it comes on those around you. Then it comes to the, those responsible who feel like I've got to keep bailing you out. If you do not move to productivity, I will personally slap you. Shall I give you the scripture that nobody ever wants to tell you in church? If a man shall not work, he shall not eat. We're not even talking Old Testament here. We're talking Paul. Paul says, in church, you cannot have the responsibility of me bailing you out. Right, keep on quiet. Reduce some stuff down because it's five minutes and we're finished. Can you be trusted with self-management? Self-motivation, if you want the worst one, time management. So I'm self-employed now, I'm self-employed, that's it, great. I got up in the morning, had my breakfast, weaned myself off with Jerry Mikhail, did that, made a phone call, home was under the hammer, came in, I always, always like homes under the hammer. Then there's always something that comes down, cash in the attic. Before I realize, it's dinner time. It's dinner time now. And I get into this spiral of doing nothing, making hay while the sun shines, so everything's now piled to the end of my day. I pile everything at the end of the day. I'm rushing through. My productivity goes right down. I'm now tired in the morning because I'm doing everything at night and not doing it in the day. I'm not changing anything. My situation gets down and down and down. But I've still got a promise. Don't be a burg. Do you know, for those of us who've had business, we understand this term, ROI, return of investment and return on investment. 
That means there has to be a time when what I've put in, I can start taking back out again. There has to be a return for my reward. Do you know the biggest problem is this, which you find, and Kevin and I have discussed this many times. It's not something where I'm trying to be smart on. And that is the majority of businesses that we've dealt with and we've seen failed, failed because they spend somebody else's money. Either they took a loan from the bank and the bank said no more, or they borrowed for family and family say no more. But I have no conscience because it's not my money I'm spending. I've just made a promise to, to, uh, to Mel there that I'll get it sorted, and I don't. But you know the key thing about the bank? key thing about the bank is this. Don't rely on the bank. Do you know who the bank are? The bank are the people who give you an umbrella and then take it away when it starts raining. Give you that law again. They give you an umbrella, then as soon as it starts raining, you're on your own. Even you'll see how many times if you watch Dragon's Den. In Dragon's Den, somebody will go there and Dave's going, I sold my house, I did this, I've given all my dreams up for having uh, whatever, banana-coated balloons. And a guy goes, it's not a business. Whichever way you stack it, it's not a business, but you've got it so far down the line, you're so far in the hole, you can't get back out again. Who is it that again speaks into you? At times you need to understand this. Some things are called this for a reason, a hobby. What did I say? A hobby. Some things are a hobby. I'm really good at my hobby. I am really good at whittling Michelangelo's David from Toenails. I tell you, everybody's going to want one. It's a hobby. If you've got a hobby and it pays you a bit of extra cash, it pays you a bit of extra cash. It didn't make it a business. And on this, I can give you this statement and we're out. If your hobby does not pay you at least three times your monthly salary, don't give up your job. Shall I say it again? If your hobby does not pay you at least three times your monthly salary, leave it as a hobby. Do you know why? Because in this, my hobby is now paying for my works forward, is there is an initial setup cost for your business. There is an equipment cost. There is a material cost. There's transport, transport cost. There's rental cost. There is expenses, phones, heating, insurance, liabilities. There is sickness. Oh, because guess what? When you work for yourself, if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. You want to go on a holiday. Oh, you're on holiday, you don't get paid. There are bank charges. There has to be cash flow issues for when you're not getting paid and money's, you're waiting for money to come back in. There is advertising costs, branding costs, website costs, the buffer for when, again, you're not being paid. Oh, and by the way, there's a tax man at 20%. Oh, and there's a corporation tax at 20%. If you do not earn at least three times your salary from your hobby, don't do it. Counsel, context, common sense. If you have a business and you want a business, you want to start a business, sit down. The first thing, even before you want to borrow from the bank, what is your business plan? Take, talk to somebody, have some counsel. There's people in-house who've been through this process. The guys that you can work with and go, do you know what? It needs another six months. It needs some of this. You need that behind you. All of these things will stop you from falling over. We've taken and touched on three areas today of the eight things that make you a person. But if you can make those three work, relationship, finance, and business, do you know what? You're not doing bad. But the context of this morning was 
Do you have a plan? I love it when a plan comes together. If nothing else this morning, maybe you'll go home this afternoon, you'll pull out your secret piece of paper, and you'll start to write on about how you move away from your fridge. Yeah, I'm not looking at you, Mel. What are you going to do to make a friend? How are you going to be better socially? How are you going to build your life back with God? Whatever it is, move to action. Because if you sit here doing all what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. Yeah? Let's stand to our feet. I know we've had a bit of fun this morning, a bit of joviality, but I hope you also pick up the seriousness of what we've been trying to say this morning. That is whether it's relationships, finance, or whatever. We need to put things into action. Amen? If the church is going to turn itself inside out, we need to not make the same mistakes they're making. Yeah? If we're meant to have an answer, let's have it demonstrated in our lives. So let's just raise our holy hands just for a moment as we finish. So, my God, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word towards us. We thank you, Lord God, Father. You have plans for us. You have hope. You have a future. And you have prosperity, Lord God, Father. That's your desire for us. And Lord God, we pray this morning, Lord, we will choose to start making right choices. We'll choose to desire your heart. We'll choose to go after your ways. My God, Father, I pray that the blessings of the Lord are rich and add no sorrow to them. My God, I pray this morning, Father, for those three areas, counsel, context, and common sense. May we start to address our own hearts, Lord God, before we move to action. Lord, for some of those things that we do now, we wouldn't do, Lord God, if we just even addressed our own hearts. Lord God, we want to thank you for what you're doing in the house. We want to thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we just pray, Lord God, continue to build precept upon precept, stone upon stone, line upon line. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. Amen.